Truth wins again. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Lights On. You know, I had a long open written for you about the weapons of mass distraction that the enemies of democracy use in their war on freedom. And it really does tie into the breaking news that we just got, which is a stunning victory for Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss to the tune of $148 million, the lies and distraction that Trump and Giuliani uh, tried to perpetuate during 2020 have just met this beautiful verdict. What a stunning victory for Shea Moss, for Ruby Freeman, and for Truth itself. I really just want to start off today's show with a clip of these beautiful, brave women. Good evening, everyone. Um, my name is Shea Moss. I've spent 10 years as an election worker in Fulton County, Georgia, the lies Rudy Giuliani told about me and my mommy after the 2020 presidential election have changed our lives. And the past few years has been devastating. The flame that Giuliani lit with those lies and passed to so many others to keep that flame blazing changed every aspect of our lives. Our homes, our family, our work, our sense of safety, our mental health, and we're still working to rebuild. As we move forward and continue to seek justice, our greatest wish is that no one, no election worker or voter or school board member or anyone else ever experiences anything like what we went through. You all matter and you are all important. We hope no one ever has to fight so hard just to get your name back. We're very grateful to the jury for taking the time out of their busy lives to do their civic duty, to listen to everything that we've been going through. I know I won't be able to retire from my job with the county like my grandmother did, but I hope by us taking these steps, these very big steps towards justice, that I can make her justice proud. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I am Lady Ruby. Today's a good day. A jury stood witness to what Rudy Giuliani did to me and my daughter and held him accountable. And for that, I'm thankful. Today is not the end of the road. We still have work to do. Rudy Giuliani was not the only one who spread lies about us and others must be held accountable too. But that is tomorrow's work. For I'm so proud of those women. Um, and uh, shout out to John Langford in the back there. He is also my lawyer on the NDA case from Protect Democracy. Um, they represent Shay and Ruby in this fight. I am so, so proud and grateful of that team. Um, as Miss Ruby uh, was saying, Lady Ruby, this is just the beginning. There are more people that have to be held accountable. And from their victory to a stunning week for Jack Smith, um, there really is so much progress being made here to combat the, this war of distraction that the enemies of democracy are waging. This week, Jack Smith said, thus far and no farther. 
totally outmaneuvering Donald Trump's constant delay strategy by asking the Supreme Court to hear his presidential immunity claim before it even gets resolved on appeal. And meanwhile, the appeals court also granted the expedited briefing schedule that Jack Smith requested. Christmas saved, as my guest today has said, and Jack Smith has Trump brilliantly boxed in. If he opposes Smith's current move at SCOTUS, what is he going to do when he likely loses again in the circuit court? Surely he will then want SCOTUS to review his loss. So very, as I said, brilliant and bold work by Jack Smith. Plus, after bailing on the witness stand in his civil fraud trial, Trump lost his final bid this week to remove that gag order up in New York. So that remains in place. He also got dealt another loss in an appeals court that denied his claim of presidential immunity in the civil defamation case brought by E. Jean Carroll. So um, it's kind of obvious why Republicans, not just MAGA, are clearly desperate to distract from the cowardly, losing criminal who leads their party. This week, even the so-called moderates caved and voted for a sham impeachment inquiry into President Biden. It's really a full circle moment for why Trump got impeached the first time, trying to extort Zelensky into announcing an investigation into Hunter Biden. We don't need any proof, any evidence, just announce it. Cast dispersions, throw dirt on the Biden name just long enough for dictator Trump to take back the White House. All while these same Republicans are blocking aid to Ukraine. They truly are the party of Putin. And I really, really, um, well, <laughs> one more thing along the line of the party of Putin, the enemies of democracy. It's, I just always want to zoom out and take this into the worldview and how the enemies of democracy are aligned. The GOP's idol over in Hungary, Viktor Orban, um, also did Putin's bidding this, this week, blocking uh, 50 plus billion dollars of aid that Ukraine desperately needs from going there in the EU. Um, and I really just don't want to leave out of this picture Benjamin Netanyahu, who, lest we forget, campaigned proudly alongside Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump. He was warned about October 7th by female IDF soldiers, no less, funded Hamas and has prioritized the sick and inhumane mass slaughter of Palestinians above the release of Israeli hostages. I just, as we started the show, saw devastating news that IDF soldiers accidentally have killed three of the hostages in the fight in Gaza. And why, why has Netanyahu done this? Because prolonged conflict is a convenient distraction from his own corruption trials and attempted judicial coup. Israeli security is not his priority. Like Putin, like Trump, like dictators around the world, self-preservation is his priority. In my opinion, and I think many people around the world, his rift with the US cannot come soon enough. If President Biden stands with the Israeli people and democracy, which I know he does, we must take a definitive stand against the crimes of Netanyahu, who will turn on Biden in a heartbeat to save himself and help Donald Trump get reelected. I've honestly been so educated and inspired by the Jewish voices breaking through the midst and sh the mist and shining light on what's really at play in Israel and Gaza. And I have a very interesting lesson from history I wanna share with you from one of them who had a very well-deserved honor postponed this week. As usual, lessons abound if we are brave enough to learn from them. Um, my guest today is 
a rock star, the host of the Daily Beans and Jack podcast, the one and only only Muller she wrote, my friend Allison Gill. Allison, welcome to Lights On. Thank you. Thank you, Jessica. And um, I just want to echo what you were saying about the incredible victory, uh, not just for Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss, but for election workers in the future. I think this sends a bold message to anyone who wants to do the same kind of, you know, pull the same kind of shenanigans um, for attacking election workers. And, um, you know, I, w- I was there uh, in the January 6th committee hearing where, when Shea Moss testified. And I'll never forget uh, my friend, um, Officer Harry Dunn, who went up to uh, Shea Moss directly after she was done testifying, whispered something in her ear, gave her a hug. And I asked Harry, like, what, what, what was it you, you said? And he said, this is how you do it. And, and thank you for telling your story and being brave. So the amount of bravery that these women have is just, it's indescribable. It is indescribable. And I actually, I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you mentioned the January 6 hearings, um, I had an extremely visceral reaction. I think like a lot of the country did. I was actually um, on this network. It's how a lot of the viewers on Midas Touch got introduced to me. And I was just going to play a brief clip because I think it, I think this is like a nationwide sentiment and we can just bring us back to that moment. Me, I'm a little bit worked up from what we just saw. It it um, hit very close to home to say to say it lightly. Um, what it what I made of Liz Cheney's comments is that those individuals that she she called out are going to go down in in history as cowards, as the most unpatriotic, um, unfaithful. Uh, just complete lack of character Americans that we have ever seen in so-called public service. And you know who will replace them as the real heroes, as the real ones who stood for democracy? Jay Moss, Ruby Freeman, these women who, who were, whose names have been slandered and whose lives have been turned upside down. These women are the heroes in that we will remember in history. And Pat Cipollone and whoever else decides not to come before this committee and speak, shame on them. Anyway, that 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 followed up with uh, me breaking into tears just because it was, I mean, there is, I know, Allison, you have experienced this personally, as have I. There has been so much vile targeting of women um, by Trump world for speaking the truth, in this case, just doing their jobs and then so heroically coming out to um, bear witness to what they experienced. And, you know, as the daughter of a single mother um, and hearing their story, that was like, you know, I know I've lived it too. And um, thank God for the vindication and the victory. I, I think one of my favorite parts today was when Ruby Freeman came out and said, I am Lady Ruby because she wanted her name back. Yeah. And that that hit me really hard. <laughs> she was able yeah. to say Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It was really beautiful. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. I remember her testimony where she said she felt like her, you know, she 
her whole name had been taken from her and she got that back. And that is so beautiful. And that is what, I mean, that kind of brings me, Allison, to this next story of Jack Smith and what he's doing to stop these delays because I feel like this is such an important recentering of what this really is about. It's about affecting people's lives. It's about trying to derail democracy and strip us of our freedom and our rights. This has real world consequences to real people. Um, and it is vitally important that Donald Trump gets tried in his criminal cases before he is allowed to God forbid, take the White House back. Can you explain kind of better than I did what Jack Smith did this day in going to SCOTUS? You No, you did a brilliant job. Like he's boxed in now, right? Yeah. Because he, he can't say, no. you know, I mean, basically what happened is Donald Trump is like, I'm going to take this all the way to the Supreme Court. And Jack Smith's like, great, let's go right now. And he's like, no, no, wait, you know. <laughs> and yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> You can't ask for one thing and then and then not the other, um, but th this is going to go quickly. Jack Smith and I think the courts both recognize that it's not just the criminal defendant that has a right to a speedy trial, but the public has an interest in a speedy conclusion to criminal complaints. Um, and you know that's laid out in the Speedy Speedy Trial Act of 1974. So I, I really um, appreciate uh, that that Jack Smith, and, and I didn't see it coming. I I know that 50 years ago in Watergate, they went right to the Supreme Court, skipping, leapfrogging the appeals court to get the tapes, the, the Nixon tapes. But it didn't occur to me that that he would do that here. I thought we were going to need to wait for the appellate court, which appears to be going extremely quickly as well. Um, as you said, saving Christmas briefs, uh, told this will be fully briefed by January 2nd. Uh, but I, you know, I just... I was taken uh, a little bit by surprise that he went straight to the Supreme Court. And I think it's a brilliant move. Yeah. And it's really bold, too, because he he risks, you know, I think a lot of us have hope that even this conservative court, at least their rulings on J6 matters have been right. So but he risks losing even at SCOTUS early on, which would just kill the entire case. But he's taken that very bold move. Um, now to say, let's fit, let's find it out now. Let's get this matter resolved first. Yeah. And I think he knows that this, the yeah. Supreme court is not going to vote for total presidential immunity. Um, we've seen, uh, an amicus brief from, from judge Ludig, who also testified before the January 6th committee and 24 or 25 others who have worked over across five presidential administrations, all Republicans, who say, you know, aside from the fact that it would turn the entire American experiment on its head to give a, a president total immunity from criminal prosecution, aside from that, it would gut uh, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 1 of the Constitution that says a president serves a four-year term. And that's another interesting uh, angle and take. And, you know, Glenn Kirshner brought up a good point, too. This Supreme Court's not going to help Trump win the election, because if he does, just as Netanyahu was attempting to do that you brought up in the beginning of the show, he will gut the judiciary. The Supreme Court will no longer be supreme. And I think the Supreme Court likes being supreme. So, you know, I think they're going to uphold the law and the Constitution here. 
I think so too. I mean, as much as I have issues with a number of those justices, I really do think that um, in this case, they probably do the right thing. Um, and maybe maybe you could take a minute, just get in the weeds a little bit more before we uh, shift to the subject of the Grinch, because I really did want to do that too. Um, that on this, uh, Scott is taking up this Fisher case. Um, because this is this is another, if I understand it correctly, um, the Fisher case is a challenge to a broad reading of 18 U.S.C. 1512, which is the obstruction of the, an official proceeding. And um, Fisher is trying to, he's a January 6th defendant who is trying to say, wait a minute, 18 U.S.C. 1512 says you actually had to screw with documents um, for this to apply. And you went back, I read your thread, you went back to um, Smith's motion practice on this issue, and he has it covered. He says, even a narrow reading of 15 USC 12, uh, uh, 18 USC 1512 were covered. Can you explain why? Yeah, I can. And this is great because we you know we just recorded uh, this Sunday's episode of the Jack podcast and the incomparable, inimitable Steve Vladek joined us to answer some of these questions. Um, but you can't, um, for 1512C2, Jack Smith has it covered because messing with a document is exactly what Donald Trump did. The core documents at issue here are the certificates that were used and counted on January 6th. And then he takes it a step further to say, even if we go by the narrow reading that one judge, one Trump appointed judge out of 16 says that means that has to do with documents. Even if we go by that narrow reading, let's talk about the falsified certificates that he conspired to make happen. That's, that is altering a document uh, in order to obstruct an official proceeding. We're covered, we're covered here. Now, I don't think the Supreme Court's gonna gut 1512C2, they may, but the actual cases that this would impact is not the Trump case. It's the 300 plus January 6th rioters that have been convicted or pled guilty uh, to, to 1512C2. So um, I, I encourage everybody to check out Sunday's episode of the Jack podcast because Steve yeah. Laddick lays it out um, very perfectly and, and very, um, He's, you know, he's so great at explaining things so that, so that, you know, non-lawyers like me can understand them. So I think that it'll be, it'll be a good listen. So you think, or it sounds like he thinks that even if they got USC 1512 for Fisher, it would apply to the, the Gen 6 defendants, but not Trump. Is that like a general? It conclusion? could amend some January 6th convictions for rioters, but okay. it, the person it would impact the least is Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And aside from that, he's charged with two other things. Yeah. Uh, besides 1512K and 1512C2. 1512K is conspiracy to commit 1512C2. Um, so they're tied together. But he's also charged with 371, uh, defrauding the United States, and 241, which is, uh, what is it, conspiracy against rights to have our yeah. votes. Counted. That's my favorite one. That's my favorite one because it really, <laughs> it really gets to like, you are violating us, buddy. So. Mm -hmm. Watch mm -hmm. out, yeah. Um, so I'm. I know you caught onto this, as as I said, and as you reiterated. You know, Jack Smith saving Christmas. But what did the Trump lawyers try to argue? They tried to argue that oh, oh, Jack Smith's team is the Grinch here. They said um, it's as if the special counsel quote growled with his Grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. But how? <laughs> 
And oh, Allison, the hypocrisy here is so breathtaking. Um, I personally lived how much the Trump campaign loves to be a Grinch at Christmas. In 2017, when I was by myself with no lawyer and no money, the Trump campaign on December 20th, 2017, filed a $1.5 million illegal NDA arbitration demand against me. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas, Jessica. <laughs> the next year, I was literally on the phone with my lawyers on Christmas Day as they were trying to counter a duplicate motion the Trump campaign had filed to confirm an illegal $50,000 judgment. I mean, these people have zero credibility claiming that anybody else in the world is trying to screw with Christmas. Mm. Well, in Grinch v. Whoville, um, <laughs> the, the appellate court has ruled in favor of Whoville. Christmas is saved uh, because while Jack Smith wanted Trump's response due to the appellate court, not the Supreme Court, to the appellate court on December 26th, Trump filed this Grinch motion and mm -hmm. Jack Smith came back with his response and said, fine, have it due on the 23rd. And the appellate court obliged. So now it's due sooner. So they don't have to toil <laughs> through the holiday. They can toil through next week to, yeah. to, get, to get this motion um, up to the appeals court, which again will be fully briefed by January 2nd. So this thing is nice. moving like a freight train. Um, and we'll see if SCOTUS takes up cert or denies cert. If they ultimately deny cert, the appellate ruling will stand. I mean, I, you know, they'll have to, they might be denying cert to hear the case before the appeals court, in which case they'll have to apply for cert again with the Supreme Court. But if they deny it again, the appellate court ruling will stand. And the appellate court is for sure going to not vote for immunity. So. Okay, so I have to get your thinking on this, and I know you tweeted about it too. How do you think this plays out time-wise? Does it does it ultimately? I mean, does the does the appeal get he heard before SCOTUS even decides to grant cert? Is there a possibility that SCOTUS grants cert and hears it before the appeals court? And how does this all affect the March trial date? Yeah. So okay. So this is <laughs> there's a couple of ways this could play out, right? Okay. If <laughs> SCOTUS is getting its um, response from Donald Trump on December 20th, but that's not a response on the merits. That's just a response to whether or not they hear it, whether or not they, you know, grant cert. Um, and so, but by December 20th, um, Trump, right, like three days later, Trump has to turn in his filing to the appeals court. So it seems to me that probably right around the same time, that SCOTUS is deciding to grant cert after they receive Trump's opposition, the appellate court may be kind of, I, I mean, scheduling uh, oral arguments, which will probably take place mid-January, maybe the third week of January. And then they'll rule by the end of January. And if the Supreme Court has granted cert and set an argument date for a month or two from then, February, let's say, they'll already have the appellate court decision. Um, and so then the Supreme Court might say it's moot now because we don't, we were going to hear it before the appellate court. But what it seems like to me is that regardless of whether it's the Supreme Court that grants, that grants cert and decides or the appellate court that grants cert and SCOTUS leaves it up to the appellate court, that second, that second scenario would happen faster. And that's the one that I want to happen. And that's still, I think, going to push back jury selection, which starts on February 9th. Um, 
but the mar and that kind of makes it the the March fourth trial date a little tricky because whenever this is exhausted, whatever the immunity, um, whether it's Supreme Court or appellate court, um, they're going to still have to when the trial is unstayed because it's stayed right now by Judge Chuckin. They're still going to have to figure out the SEPA stuff, do those SEPA hearing filings. I think they're on uh, 6A right now, and there's still a few levels of SEPA because there are some classified documents in this case, not as much as in the Mar-a-Lago case, but there are some right. here. Um, and they'll have to, uh, she still has to rule on Trump's motion to dismiss on statutory grounds and on selective and vindictive prosecution. And so I personally think that even if this goes as fast as it possibly can, we still might get the trial date pushed back a little bit maybe to April, perhaps May. And I know a lot of people are saying, but the documents case goes in May. There's no way no, the documents case not goes happening. In. So I would still love to see the trial done by the convention, the Republican National Convention, which is I think July 15th of this year, but it's a three to four month trial. Trump could drag it out during the trial. Um, mm -hmm. But I still, I'm, I am, in my heart of hearts, believe with a hundred percent of my being that this trial will go before the election. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think it's just a question of how soon before, right? And uh, how long does it drag out? But I think this is the one, this is the one that, that for God's sakes, I mean, this man should have been derailed a long time ago, but um, this should, for the sake of democracy, we all hope actually get the job done. <laughs> Um, but speaking of uh, who's fighting against that and, you know, trying to deflect dirt over onto Joe Biden and his family, got Republicans. They, they had to they had to go forward with this bullshit sham impeachment against Joe Biden. No evidence, <laughs> no links between Hunter's shady practices and Joe Biden. Um, but here you go. Even even the vulnerable Republicans in the swing districts, even they came along to vote for this impeachment inquiry. Um, and they, you know, they've they've made as their excuse, Allison, that, um, you know, that the White House wasn't providing them with all the information that they asked for. I mean, lest we forget how much the Trump administration stonewalled congressional inquiries, Jim Jordan himself, of course, notably flouting a subpoena from the January 6th committee. I mean, yeah, but does the does what they're asking from the White House even exist? Right. This is yeah. their MO. They'll ask for stuff yeah. they can't get or that doesn't exist, like the missing January 6th files or, you know, whatever, the the video we're going to release. Like, it, these things don't exist. Then they complain that there's no transparency. Or they ask for Jack Smith to come and testify about an open and ongoing investigation or Chris Ray to come and testify about an open and ongoing investigation. And they can't. And then they say, you see, it's a deep state. They're hiding. And but the, the and they're like, there's no transparency. But then when the Democrats tried to add an amendment to this impeachment inquiry calling for transparency, the Republicans voted against it. Shut it down. They shut it down. They are not in the business of transparency. They are in the business of obfuscation. They're in the business of behind closed doors testimony that they won't release the transcripts for, that they can cherry pick and... Um, you know, obfuscate to the public. Uh, it, it, this is like you brought up at the beginning of the show, at the top of the show. This is the, you don't have to actually investigate, just say you're investigating. That's right. enough. That's and enough. He did that with Zelensky. He did it with the Department of Justice when he said, just say you're investigating election fraud mm -hmm. and me and the Republicans in Congress will do the rest. 
It's just announcing an investigation. The only reason they're opening this is because Trump is making them and they are still, they still have their star hooked to, to Donald Trump, the Republican party. And we, we have to, we can't let that go. You'll see them start to untether themselves from Roe and untether them, try to untether themselves from Trump. We can't allow that to happen because it's, they, they aren't, that is the leader of their party. And as Adam Schiff said on the well of the Senate during the impeachment, your names will be tied to his and with a court of steel for all of history. That still gives me the chills. I know. I know. Um, and, and, and it's just, it, that's their, that's their MO is to hold on to power, no matter how much it hurts the American people, no matter how much it hurts national security, uh, no matter how much it violates the rule of law, they just want to hold on to power because they know they don't have the votes and they don't have the ideas. They absolutely don't. And I, for one, know what a, what a um, hypocritic bunch they are in the matter of transparency and free speech and all of these things that they pretend to flout. But I, um, you know, on the subject of transparency, of course, they tried to get Hunter Biden to come behind closed doors. So like you said, they can manipulate and then put out their political theater version of the truth that really happened. And he said, you want you want the truth from me? Let's do it in public. I'm here. And I, you know, we haven't heard much from Hunter Biden. Um, say what you will about his his missteps, his addiction. I think what has been done to him and his family is sick. The exploitation of, of a man who went through what he went through um, and is trying to make amends. And I was really grateful, Allison, to see him take back his voice this week. And uh, I thought we could play that, that clip of him outside of Congress. During my battle with addiction, my parents were there for me. They literally saved my life. They helped me in ways that I will never be able to repay. And of course, they would never expect me to. And in the depths of my addiction, I was extremely irresponsible with my finances. But to suggest that is grounds for an impeachment inquiry is beyond the absurd. It's shameless. There is no evidence to support the allegations that my father was financially involved in my business because it did not happen. Here I am, Mr. Chairman, taking up your offer when you said, we can bring these people in for depositions or committee hearings, whichever they choose. Well, I've chosen. I am here to testify at a public hearing today to answer any of the committee's legitimate questions. Republicans do not want an open process where Americans can see their tactics, expose their baseless inquiry, or hear what I have to say. What are they afraid of? I'm here. I'm ready. They're afraid of everything. They can't handle the truth. <laughs> mm -mm, no. And, and, you know, when he, he brings up the, the point that Comer said, you choose if you want a behind closed doors or, a, a, you know, public to the committee. Um, that and the fact that they didn't vote officially to open an inquiry until after that happened, until after Hunter Biden wouldn't show up for the closed behind closed doors thing. They're not going to be able to prosecute this for uh, for contempt of Congress, not in the way that uh, Jim Jordan defied a, a subpoena. No, absolutely not.
Well, let's take a quick break for our sponsor and come back and follow up with uh, more of these um, weapons of mass distraction. We're going to call them out. Heart healthy energy is so important in order for me to keep my energy up. We could all benefit from heart healthy energy. One of the best ways to get some? By supporting your blood pressure and circulation. Superbeats Heart Shoes are an easy and convenient way to support healthy blood pressure. They're plant-based and stimulant-free, so you can get green boost without the jitters. Paired with a healthy lifestyle, the antioxidants in Superbeats are clinically shown to be nearly two times more effective at promoting normal blood pressure than a healthy lifestyle alone. Now, I love taking my Superbeats Heart Shoes because they make me feel amazing. And I feel so good knowing that I'm doing something good for myself every day. Now, I take my Super Beats Heart Shoes every morning to kickstart my day, and I couldn't think of a better daily routine. Superbeats is the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended heart shoe for cardiovascular health support. It's blood pressure support you can trust. Superbeats heart shoes also support healthy circulation, so you not only get blood pressure support, you also get productive heart healthy energy without the crash. Double your potential with Superbeats heart shoes. Get a free 30-day supply of Superbeats heart shoes and a free full-size bag of turmeric shoes valued at $25 by going to lightsonbeats.com. Get this exclusive offer only at lightsonbeats.com. So where do we go? Do we go to like Comer Corruption Shell Companies or like Republicans avoiding what they've made happen with Roe and Mifepristone? Where should we go, Allison? Oh, let's talk about Comer Chameleon. Let's do it. He's my- Shell he's Companies. My, he's my favorite. Um, <laughs> oh man. You know, Daily Beast a while back talked about these land swaps that he did with his brother, Chad, you know, and we're like, impeach Chad Comer. Um, he's, you know, just Jim Comer's brother. Uh, but so we had these land swaps where he was, you know, giving two, 200000 and getting 218000 back. So there's, mm -hmm. oh, there's a little $18,000 benefit. Mm -hmm. Then Comer points out that Biden lent his brother $200,000 and got back $200,000. There was no little kickback there. So that now we have this reporting that shows that, that not only that, but he has a shell company with, with a donor, a big donor of his. And, and they're working with this farm company that is him and his wife own. And it, there's like all sorts of interesting things going on. And it may be totes legit, but I think we need to investigate to get to the bottom of it. We do. You know, I was reading that AP article and you know what, what um, stood out to me, it's always, you know, they're always doing what they accuse other people of, right? 100% projection. But what I caught on to was this, um, these two graphs in the article that said, in 2011, a voter fraud case roiled local politics and swept up Billy Profit, Comer's longtime friend and former college roommate. Prophet pleaded guilty in December 2011 and was sentenced to probation. Prophet's family real estate company is now spearheading the efforts to sell the land held by Farm Team Properties, which is this uh, Comer, Comer Shell Company, and also um, coming to Comer's defense in this, these matters. But here you have not only the Shell Company, company hypocrisy, but you know, with all of their voter fraud allegations, who is it who is committing those very um, rare cases of voter fraud? Republicans. Oh, all, always. All the always. time. 
Wasn't there somebody who was offering a $10,000 reward for voter fraud? I'm, I'm wondering if anybody's cashed in on all the Republican voter fraud that we found since since the 2020 election. But yeah, it's it's awfully odd that the dude owns 1,600 acres, but these six acres is a, are in a shell company. Yeah, it's it's it is remarkable. <laughs> and um and so we've got we've got Jack on the move. We've got deflection in Congress. We got Rudy. We got this Rudy. Rudy. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to Rudy. I mean, but ultimately, you know, I'm like, I see this. I'm so happy about it. Never forget that Donald Trump is the mastermind. Um, and then we've got these Republicans in the background, really just trying to strip away the rights of women and literally kill people. Um, and of course, we had this situation last week in Texas with Kate Cox where she was initially granted a restraining order so that she could get an abortion to save her life and to save her future ability to have children. Um, ultimately, Texas Supreme Court reversed that, um, basically, which would have made any doctor that helped her liable to being charged with a felony. Uh, she fled the state. Um, this is the state of our reproductive rights in this country because of fascist Republicans. And uh, just this week, we heard that uh, SCOTUS is going to take up the other extreme case coming out of Texas, which is the ban on mifepristone, which um, is the abortion drug that has been approved by the FDA for, what is it, 20 years? Mm -hmm. um, it's really sick, Allison, really sick attempt to control women. I think the heart of fascism is really trying to take away women's rights. Yeah, and they already are. Um, like you brought up with um, with Kate Cox in Texas. And um, I, again, another brave woman um, mm -hmm. doing the right thing, getting her story out by also suing to, to make this happen, but ha ultimately having to flee the state. The thing that bothered me the most about that was everyone was praising this district court judge for granting her a restraining order to allow her to have this abortion. But what's stuck out to me was that the reason that this judge did that was because it threatened her future fertility. So it still wasn't about the woman. It was about her womb and her ability to have more babies, or as Republicans like to refer to us as human capital stock. Instead of it just being because the court shouldn't be made, you shouldn't have to beg the court for health care, regardless of the reason. I shouldn't have to come to you with a reason and that and that's why i was so glad when i for you know wrote that op-ed for the washington post asking the pentagon to please grant leave with no questions asked because before you would have to go to your chain of command and tell them why you needed leave um and and you know obviously rape is very prevalent in the military there are women who are and, and you know people who are stationed in states that have these trigger laws on the books that then, and, and they don't get to choose when you're in the military, you don't get to pick your duty station. I mean, some people do, but mostly not. And my first thought was these, these people are going to be trapped. They're going to be forced to carry these pregnancies to term. Um, and the Kate Cox case, I think shows us that the Pentagon did the right thing by enacting that policy to grant leave for people who need reproductive care in states where abortion is not available. Um, and that Tuberville was wrong, but I'm glad we finally got past his blockade. Yeah. They tolerated it for way too long, mm -hmm. way, way too long. That was disgusting. 
Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you shined a very bright light on what women have to go through in the military from your very personal experience. I know, Allison, that you touched a lot of people um, with that. And thank you, too, for your bravery in speaking out. I mean, like like you mentioned, Kate Cox was brave to come out. She is one of many, 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 many women like her. She's just the first that decided to bring a lawsuit of its kind. Right. Think um, of all the women who can't bring a lawsuit. Um, yeah can't just travel out of state. Those are the women I'm thinking of. And I know that those are the women she was thinking of when she thought to, to bring this lawsuit. When I um, got finally got my um, claim adjudicated from the VA for the military sexual trauma, it was because I was in an Oscar nominated documentary about military sexual trauma. But I couldn't help but think of the thousands of people who were not featured. In a in a documentary. And yeah. that's why I went to work for the VA was to advocate for them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going to take like a little bit of a sharp pivot here, but sure. I actually tweeted about this because, you know, there's the, the hypocrisy runs through every single thing that the Republicans do. And I personally, Allison, am, am so like, I can't turn away from what's going on in the Middle East. It just really sickens me to see this mass slaughter of of civilians, of mothers, of children, of humanitarian workers, of journalists. Um, there's also 50,000 pregnant women in Gaza, 50,000, who um, many thousands of which have probably already been killed, not to mention can't get access to the care that they need right now. I mean, you think maybe that the Republicans who care so much about the unborn uh, might show a little care for these pregnant women in Gaza? Maybe. No, not until we enact a policy at our border that puts babies in cages. Only then will we worry about what's going on in the Middle East. Um, because, you know, they're conditioning humanitarian aid in Gaza to, to border policies here, draconian, awful border policies here. Um, but yeah, it's... It, it, I know I know the Biden administration said a couple of weeks ago, like this is untenable and it's not going to take months. It's going to take weeks. And here we are a couple of weeks later. And the Biden administration is is telling Bibi. This isn't, you know, they're they're pivoting. They're saying we can't full throatedly support Israel here. Um, and they've they've been doing that behind closed doors since the beginning, trying to get that ceasefire put into place. Um, and finally achieving that. Um, but he's working with a Trump in Bibi Netanyahu. Thank and, you. Yes, and so he is. I don't, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, it's just, it's so beyond my comprehension of how to even get this done. Um, yeah. I think that's why I think, and I try to like, you know, like I said in the, in my open, and I want to talk a minute about Masha Gessen and Hannah Arendt. Um, if we can try to, if I can try to get my little history lesson in. Um, but I really think, you know, I've been looking to Jewish intellectuals because I think that they have such some of the most amazing clarity, um, you know, rabbis for ceasefire, so many, you know, Holocaust survivors, they understand that what is going on in Gaza um, is a sick massacre. I don't even want to use the buzzwords, like we know what they are, 
we know what they are. We know what the terms are. I don't want to even necessarily use them. I don't care about the nomenclature. I just care that we stop this sick atrocity that's going on, this sick humanitarian crisis. Um, and um, what a lot, one of the things that a lot of these um, authors and journalists and advocates have been saying is Benjamin Netanyahu is going to turn on Biden. I mean, Biden, and this is something like I, I hope if anybody from the Biden administration is watching Lights On today, I hope they get this message. Like Benjamin Netanyahu is more than happy to help Donald Trump get reelected. Mm -hmm. Okay. Donald tr Trump will hand, you know, any remaining sovereignty that exists now for the Palestinian people to uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and give him full, full, full occupational control. Um, and Benjamin Netanyahu is prepared to turn on President Biden um, and try to blame him for his own failures, you know, some of which I mentioned in that open, he knew about October 7th, you know, he, he let it happen 100%. It is in war is in his benefit. Um, yeah, and you're not going to get anything. You're not going to no. get anything out of Benjamin Netanyahu. And that's why the only, and, and regardless, and, the only and Biden's losing so much support in this country, which he can't afford to. And I, that's why like, I want to speak the hard truth here. Biden cannot afford to lo lose support. He cannot afford to fracture that coalition. He needs, I, I know that he's trying and the whole administration is trying to play this balancing act where they're being very careful about what they say in public and try to, um, you know, force change in behavior in the back end. But they have to, I think, for the, for, for public perception to be on the side of Joe Biden, they have to start changing their rhetoric publicly and definitively. And I think they have. Uh, I think they're doing it too slowly. Um, but yeah. they are, you know, now publicly saying, you know, Blinken and um, State Department and the, the White House is saying you can't go about. Because in the beginning, it was like, we fully support Israel, but you can't commit war crimes. Now it's, we fully support Israel. You can't commit war crimes. Y'all have to stop. Now they're like actually publicly saying what they've been privately trying to say right, right. To, to, to Benjamin Netanyahu. But now we have the Netanyahu government saying, we will never have a ceasefire. Um, we don't want a two-state solution. No, no, they're very clear about their aims. I mean, they've been very clear about their aims to occupy uh, Palestinian territory and and evacuate the Palestinians from Gaza. I mean, Israeli cabinet members have been very clear about this. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know, did you hear about this Hannah Arendt ward that was postponed for Masha Gessen? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I thought this was so interesting. I, I just kind of, you know, looked into it. I had heard the name Hannah Arendt, didn't really know who she was, but um, Masha Gessen, who is this um, renowned Russian-American journalist, was due to be presented with the Hannah Arendt Prize for Political Thought today, actually, in Germany. And um, Germany has been one of these countries that is kind of, um, you know, putting this blanket label of anything that is critical of the Israeli government as anti-Semitism. Now, really anti-Semitism, obviously a problem, but conflating it with, with, um, with criticism of Israel is not, not constructive at all. And uh, Masha Gessen wrote this very powerful essay um, the other day, or I actually, I don't know exactly when, but basically, um, 
Ma Shugesson, who goes by they, them, wrote, uh, for the last 17 years, Gaza has been a hyperdensely populated, impoverished, walled-in compound where only a fraction of the population had the right to leave for even a short amount of time. In other words, a ghetto. Not like the Jewish ghetto in Venice or an inner city ghetto in America, but like a Jewish ghetto in an Eastern European country occupied by Nazi Germany. In the two months since Hamas attacked Israel, all Gazans have suffered from the barely interrupted onslaught of Israeli forces. Thousands have died. On average, a child is killed in Gaza every 10 minutes. Israeli bombs have struck hospitals, maternity wards, and ambulances. Eight out of 10 Gazans are now homeless, moving from one place to another never able to get to safety. So then this uh, German foundation, the Henrich Boll Foundation and the Senate of Bremen, which I think is the city where this uh, award was scheduled to be given to Masha, um, refused to give it to them. And the um, ceremony has now apparently been moved to tomorrow in another location. Um, and their gripe was over, over them comparing, you know, the Jew, the, Palestinian ghetto, essentially, to, you know, ghettos in, in World War II that the Nazis created for Jews in Germany. Um, and then in the next paragraph, which they didn't cite, they made, Masha made a dis distinction between these ghettos, saying that in unlike in Nazi Germany, where there was no predicate for um, the treatment of Jews this way, it, in this case, Palestinians, um, or at least there is a threat from Gaza on Israel. And, and they wrote, there are essential differences, yet both claims propose that an occupying authority can choose to isolate, immiserate, and now mortally endanger an entire population of people in the name of protecting its own. Um, I want to take a breath and give you a chance. I have some more on, on the background of, of Hannah Arendt, but do you have you have any thoughts, Allison? Um, I am not an expert enough to have an opinion on what comparisons make sense and what comparisons right. don't make sense. Um, and so it, it wouldn't make sense for me to weigh in um, uh, other than, I would need to go and speak to some experts about this and get their insights um, uh, for, for that. I'd, the problem I think, is that the, it seems as though there's out of context stuff happening um, that, you know, where they didn't put that second part in there. Right. Um, I don't know that I would have made that comparison. And in my mind, what's happening right now in Gaza mm -hmm. is its own thing and can't really be compared to anything else and must be addressed in a new and different way. Um, so opining on someone else's opinion about comparing it to something else. <laughs> it's a lot of, <laughs> it's like double hearsay to me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I, what I, as I'm just looking into this and I, I don't claim to be an extrovert either. And I've talked a lot, you know, we've done some more, um, shows on lights on with people who know much more about the Middle East than I would ever profess to. But the interesting thing, um, is that, that I found out looking into this is that, um, Hannah Arendt was, who's this prize is named after was a German born Jewish American historian, philosopher, and anti-totalitarian political theorist who, 
coined the phrase the banality of evil um, when she was covering the trial of Nazi Adolf Eichmann, which she covered as a journalist for The New Yorker. And um, people that were following this uh, postponement of Masha Gessen's award in her name this week brought up this old article that um, that Hannah Arendt signed her name to, along with, of all people, Albert Einstein in 1948, just three years after the Holocaust. In this letter, Hannah Arendt and others described Israel's ruling party which, um, I'm sorry, the Likud party, which is now Israel's ruling party that Benjamin Netanyahu belongs to, they described it as closely akin in its organization, methods, political philosophy, and social appeal to the Nazi and fascist parties. Mm -hmm. um, and this was in an open letter in anticipation, and I'm going to totally butcher the name here, of Menachem Begin's visit to the U.S., and he was the founder of the Likud party that Netanyahu is now part of. Um, I, what I really just wanted to do with this, Allison, is bring out these connections between, um, you know, I think so much is done in the name of religion, in the name of protecting religious groups or ethnic groups or nationalities that is really just fascist. Mm -hmm. um, in this case, I think it has taken hold in, sadly, what is supposed to be a safe haven for the Jewish people. Um, but, you know, this is, you know, years ago, someone who spoke out against Nazi Germany and, and exposed it through brilliant um, reporting was calling out fascist strains in Israel that I think exist very sadly to this day. Yeah, well, I mean, we get into pretty dangerous territory when you're not allowed to refer to a ruling party in Israel as fascist. Hmm. Um like the Likud party, right? Yeah. Um, I feel like there's, it's just so, it's just such a sensitive subject, but the clarity of the Geneva Convention and and the commission of war crimes yeah. should not be a question to anyone, no matter what you call it. Right. Um, and, you know, I have been exceedingly clear from from the jump that, Killing civilians, endangering civilians, displacing civilians. What, 1.8 million homeless destroyed? I know. Their destroyed. I know. I just think, Allison, I think of people, I mean, I can't get the images out of my head of people just being crushed under buildings, dying slow, painful deaths under buildings. And, and then, you know, going with open wounds where they have, they can't get into a hospital and there's maggots in their open wounds and you've got camps of people. And now, you know, Gaza is flooded. And um, listen, I want the hostages to be released more than anything. And those and hostages themselves wants. have come out and spoken against Netanyahu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is what Hamas wants. Yeah. But 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 when the Likud party is helping Hamas give it to absolutely us, they're that same has objectives be, that yep. has to be called out absolutely uh, and, and there should there shouldn't be any any fear in in, in calling that out um, absolutely we call it out here at home just fine yeah when we see fascism afoot and autocracy afoot yeah um, and it needs to be addressed and and uh, I'm hoping I'm seeing I'm starting to see the public calls now yeah. um, that the that the Netanyahu government is going to have to go or change. They have to. 
Um, it's untenable. It's it's been untenable. It was recognized as untenable by this administration weeks ago. But it needs to be. I mean, it's never wrong to do what's right. Right. Amen to that. And it can't hurt you. It can't hurt you. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to leave us on a positive note. Um, you know, I have um, I have I haven't talked about it in this episode, but I talk pretty openly about my spirituality, my faith, and I'm keen to point out fascism and hypocrisy when it comes from people who claim to be of my faith, um, and they most certainly are not abiding by the the um, spirit that I live by. I heard you were a Dolly Parton fan. Is that true? Yes, I am. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So we are going <laughs> to end. Who isn't? <laughs> we are going to end today's show with a very spe- special message. And I think just in the spirit of the holidays and light um, on spirituality from the one and only Dolly Parton. How do you practice your spirituality today? Oh, I live my spirituality, you know. That's how you practice it mostly. You just live it and be it. <laughs> a lot of people so overthink spirituality, you, you know, and they therefore they think it has to be some big ritual. But the kingdom of heaven is inside. It's right inside of you, and you can draw from that, that wisdom, whether you call it God or higher wisdom or a higher knowing. There's something bigger than you. I just think you just need to claim it and live it. Mm-hmm. And you can apply that to whatever you do. I don't think you have to be a saint. I don't think you have to be so strict that you can't have fun. You know, it's all about the intent of your heart. Yeah. Just be right, right? I'm glad to know that you don't have to be a saint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> She's wonderful. She's absolutely wonderful. And yeah, we see it. Um, the absolute opposite of that yes, um, we in do. the Republican Party with their intent, uh, although they claim uh, they, f- they, f- they wrap it in a flag and carry a cross with it. And it's, um, it's sad Blast to see. Me. But justice is prevailing. It did today with Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. I think it will continue yeah. with Jack Smith. And, um, and I think the hits will just keep coming. Absolutely. And go check out, I, you know, our viewers, go check out the rest of Ruby and Shay's statements. They talked, they too talked a lot about their faith and it was very, very touching to me. And my God, such a beautiful day for those women. Hey, Allison, I've been a guest on your show, but this has been such a pleasure to have you back with me on Lights On for being such a sport with all of my topics. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much been great. I love the work you're doing and I'm glad that you're shining light on on all of these subjects that needs to be done. Thank you. Absolutely, absolutely. And check out Allison um, on everywhere. She's Muller she wrote and her podcast Jack and the Daily Beans. Um, thank you everybody for joining us today on Lights On. I hope you're all having um, a wonderful beginning to your holiday season. If you're celebrating Hanukkah, happy Hanukkah. Um, we're going to have We're going to have another poetic offering from me um, for the holidays next week or the next week after. So definitely stay tuned if you enjoy that. Um, As always, you can support my ongoing legal fight, which we are prepping up to counter more mass distraction from the Trump campaign in the new year. They're going to file a motion to try to get my case dismissed. And you can support our efforts at thejessicadenson.com slash donate thejessicadenson.com slash dominate. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for your messages and comments. You wouldn't uh, believe how much they mean to me, um, especially this week. I 
looked back at some of your comments and I got to tell you, they lifted me so high when I was really, really needing an up uplift. So thank you as always for all of that love. Um, continue to be bright and brave in this world. Let your light shine.